Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of our podcasting channel. Uh, we are very excited to have you here. My name is Michael Nazaritsky. I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also a president of Milestone Asset Management Group, which is a fee-only wealth management firm right here in Avon. We also have joining us a principal here at the firm. His name is Rich Lopresti, a certified financial planner. And Rich actually runs our office in Milford. Welcome, Rich. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to have you. I'm uh, looking forward to getting my shot on Saturday, so that can be uh, sooner rather than later, fully vaccinated. I know, I know you on your way as well. Yeah, a couple of weeks before vaccinated. Can't wait. Yeah, it would be nice to kind of do this in person. But uh, today's topic is a very interesting topic. You know, on our podcasting channel, the whole purpose of what we do is to kind of try to bring uh, take a complicated topic in financial planning space and, and kind of simplify it and put a new perspective on it and make it easier to understand. Last episode that we did around cryptocurrency had received a lot of positive feedback. We got a lot of emails and phone calls. So we're very excited to continue on uh, with it. The way we pick our topics on the show is our clients, any questions that we ask are consistently being asked over and over and over again. You know, Rich and I kind of come together and say, hey, listen, I get asked this all the time. Why don't we just put a podcast around it and put some clarification and some uh, new perspective on it and simplify it, which uh, kind of brings us to a today's topic. Today's topic is a very interesting topic. It's a very near and dear topic to me and, and, and to Rich. And this topic has to do with Roth conversions. You know, there's a lot of uh, conversations going around right now with the new tax bill that's being proposed, a new infrastructure bill that could potentially coming out, and a potential uh, increase in taxes is certainly on top of everybody's minds. And I know in our practice, we do and discuss Roth conversions uh, very frequently with our clients. I'm very, very excited to kind of have this discussion on what it is, how it works, who is it for, but also at the same time, kind of bring it down to say, okay, well, how does it actually fit into a plan? Okay, you're doing the Roth conversion. Is the right thing to do for you? How much of Roth conversion should you do? How does it impact your taxes now? How does it impact your retirement decisions later? How does it work with social security taxations and so on and so forth? So I'm, I'm very excited to jump into this topic and uh, have this discussion with, uh, with Rich. Rich, what do you think about this topic? Yeah, well, the Roth IRA is, is my favorite account. So you know, converting assets to a Roth is, is definitely something that you should explore. Like Mike said, it's not right for everyone, but uh, it, it's a good tool that you can put in your overall retirement plan. And if you start early enough, it'll allow you to have a lot of flexibility in the future. And again, it's my favorite account by far. So I'm very excited about the topic. Yeah. So part of what we do at our firm is that we, we work primarily with retirees and, and pre-retirees and, you know, Roth conversion is a big topic. So today what I'd like to do is just kind of kick it off and have a little bit of a conversation about what Roth IRA account is and then kind of jump in and to discuss what are, how does the Roth conversion differs from an actual contribution. So Rich, maybe you can give us a little bit of a rundown of sort of what the Roth account, Roth IRA is and sort of how it works for our listeners on a high level. Yeah, Mike. Uh, going into that, you, you would want to look at what a traditional IRA, traditional 401k or traditional 403b is. All of those accounts actually have the same tax treatment. And what I mean by that is those are all pre-tax accounts, right? So most people are used to those and those are the accounts that they contribute to for their retirement. And what happens is when you make a contribution, 
it typically would lower your earned income, and that would be the tax benefit or the benefit of contributing to the said 401k or traditional IRA or 403b. The Roth IRA, and now there are Roth 401ks, is the opposite, which means that you don't get any upfront tax benefit, but the benefit is that it grows tax-free and the withdrawals are tax-free. So for a simple example, if you contribute you know, $100,000 to your retirement account over your working years and it grows to a million dollars, well, that million dollars you owe taxes on the entire million dollars. So whatever your tax bracket is or income bracket is at retirement is what you're going to be paying on those assets. Where the Roth, if you grow the same 100000 to a million or even $2 million, you never, ever have to pay another cent of taxes on that. So I don't know about you, Mike, but like you were mentioning earlier, I think we're around $28 trillion in debt, and the revenue that we collect from taxes is only around $3.5 trillion. So you know, I can't say taxes are going to go up, but they're definitely, definitely not going to be going down in, in you know, the near term or long term future. So uh, the benefit of the Roth just uh, keeps increasing. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. You know, the the biggest problem that I see in our industry here is that the fact that our national debt is just continues to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. I think you mentioned it's around twenty eight trillion now, and it's going to continue to escalate. And really, that some crazy ideas on how to deal with our national debt. I don't think really any of them necessarily work. But I know for a fact that the only good way to deal with it for our government is to raise taxes. And uh, you know, if you look at the the, the new transportation bill, uh, if I'm sorry, infrastructure bill that they're discussing, a lot of that involves uh, a potential hike in taxes. So, up until 2026, this is at this point where the the Trump tax cut, if you want to call it, is set to sunset, if you will, where the rates currently scheduled to go back to pre-Trump tax cut bill, if you will unless obviously something takes place prior to it. So what I'd like to do today is to uh, kind of uh, clarify a couple of things. Number one is there are limitations to how much you can put into a Roth IRA. So if you are under the age of 50, your contribution is $6,000 for 2021, and it is income-specific, income-based. If you're over the age of 50, you can throw an extra $1,000 in called the catch-up provision. But Rich, in your opinion, who is the Roth IRA for? Like who is the best individual to just kind of utilize? Is that, a, is that a particular age group that benefits more from the Roth IRA than not, in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, I think everyone can benefit from the Roth IRA. And, you know, obviously someone who does it sooner rather than later is going to have more benefits from the Roth IRA and contributing to it. Or, you know, once they convert it, you know, they typically would put their more aggressive assets in that in the likelihood of growing that account as much as they can. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you never ever have to pay taxes again when you take funds out of the Roth IRA, you know, after retirement age. So I guess the rule of 72 is typically, you know, if you if you have, you know, a 7% return in that particular account, it's going to take you 10 years to double that. Um, obviously, the greater the return, the quicker that happens. So, you know, if you double it, compound it, you know, triple it, you know, the benefit of having a Roth is just going to be greater and greater the longer you have it. On the flip side of that, Mike, uh, an example of a client I had recently converted 
uh, half of his IRA, which was which a pretty nice sum of around 400000 during the March downturn. So, you know, sometimes when there's a downturn in the market, you can look at a silver lining and say, hey, well, now might be a really good time to convert some or all of my traditional IRA to a Roth IRA when the balances are a little bit lower to kind of minimize or mitigate that. They converted it, they paid the tax bill, and now the account, you know, has since doubled from where it was. So, you know, a really, really good benefit for them setting up them for a lot of success in retirement because it's going to add a lot of flexibility uh, with that. So, yeah. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, we're jumping a little bit too, a little bit far for the strategy, but let's kind of bring it back a little bit and just kind of explain what a Roth conversion is. So there's, there's two ways for you to fund a Roth IRA. One, as I mentioned before, through a contribution, which is income specific. And, you know, the older you get, uh, your income probably is rising as your career is, is getting more senior and senior and senior. So eventually, you could get to a point where your income just does not allow you to put money into a Roth account anymore. So the Roth conversion is really not income specific. You don't. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You can always do a Roth conversion. Roth conversion is a process of moving money from a pre-tax IRA into an after-tax IRA, which is the Roth IRA. When you do that, that event becomes a taxable event to you. So you have to pay taxes on it. Now, there's many different strategies and there's many different reasons to do it. Who does it benefit? I think it benefits, like Rich said, really anyone. But you have to make sure that you have the right planning done in advance. You know, you want to make sure that you consult with a tax advisor, a financial planner. You want to make sure you just have a strategy in place. You know, Richard uh, alluded to what's called the asset location. Basically, what it means is that if you have a portfolio that is a diversified portfolio of mix of stocks and bonds, you want to make sure that you hold the right positions in the right accounts because tax location adds additional, historically has added, according to many, many studies, additional alpha, additional returns to your portfolio over time. And obviously, as you start to implement Roth into your portfolio mix, it's important to make sure that it, you know, tax location and portfolio location plays a big role in it. Now, Rich, let's talk a little bit about sort of what happens when you actually do a conversion. So when you're doing a conversion, as I mentioned before, you do have to pay t- income taxes on it. In your opinion, you know, because we get questions on it all the time. It's like, Mike, do I just convert and pay income taxes from the amount that I'm converting? Or should I have some money set aside to pay the taxes on the conversion and not reduce the amount that I'm actually converting? What is your opinion on this? Yeah, well, there's, there's a couple of parts to that. Well, the first part is actually determining what amount you want to convert or what amount you can convert to be most efficient and pay the least amount of taxes. And that's something that you know Mike and I do for our clients where we run your income you have for that year, your earned income, and then we look at well, how much of that traditional IRA can we convert to a Roth? Because those taxes come out as as income and could put you into another bracket. So, you know, again, it's very beneficial to run those numbers like Mike said through, you know, a CPA or have an analysis done there. But the crux of the question that Mike was asking is say you did convert a hundred thousand dollars of your traditional IRA to a Roth IRA and you were 
for this example, in the 20% tax bracket for simple math. So 20% would be $20,000. So if you converted that and pay the taxes out of the money that you were converting, well, now you would just start with an $80,000 Roth, which would put you at a severe disadvantage because, again, the Roth is the best account that is out there in the U.S. for financial planning, retirement planning, any growth, because again, you don't ever have to pay taxes again. So you want to start out with that $100,000 that you were converting in the first place. So what Mike was saying, you want to have money on the outside in, in say a taxable account or a savings account that you have on the outside for you to pay those taxes, because it's going to be much more beneficial to you to have, again, a hundred grand in the Roth. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I completely agree with that. You know, we get this question, I know I do all the time, you know, because it's easier to just reduce the amount of money you're converting and, and then you go prepay some of your taxes. But, you know, mathematically, it just kind of eliminates a lot of benefits of, of doing the conversion. And this is where proper planning comes into play. I think one of the biggest advantages of Roth conversions is if you feel that the taxes are going to go up. So you're trying to lock in the lower tax brackets in today's day because you're anticipating the taxes going up. And uh, given today's environment, I think most people feel that way. In regards to planning, you know, there, there's a couple of different things that you should be aware of, or strategies that you should be aware of. You know, what we do for a, a lot of our clients, and we do have a, an accountant as part of the team, so it makes it a little bit easier for us. But what you, you, what you want to do is you kind of want, as you're retiring or you're getting closer to retirement, you want to go in and, and, and kind of take a look and say, okay, well, based on my returns from last year, you know, if I'm anticipating my taxes kind of staying similarly, where am I in the tax bracket that I'm in? For example, if you're in 22% bracket, well, how much more can I go within a certain bracket to fill that and still stay in 22% bracket, but how much can I convert? Is there, a, is there a dollar amount that I can convert and still maintain the same bracket that I'm in today? Or another strategy could be, gee, you know what? I'm going to go from 22 to 24. I think 24 is going to go to 28 in 2026. Does it make sense for me to maybe go up even further and fill the 24% bracket as well? And what is it actually going to mean to me? How much taxes do I physically have to pay on this extra amount of conversions? You know, how does the Social Security play into it? So if I'm retiring, do I collect Social Security? Do I not collect Social Security? And that's probably one of the most common questions that I get is that, okay, well, Mike, if I want to do Roth conversions and I'm on board, I think it makes sense. I think taxes are going to go up. What do I do with my social security? Now, Rich, as you and I know, when somebody starts their social security, there are a lot of strategies that go into that to determining, you know, when do I claim? Do I start at 62? Do I wait till my full retirement age? Do I wait till 69? Do I wait till 70? What do I do? There's so many different variations. You know, we can do a whole podcast just specifically on that. But the point is that there are a lot of options. So as we start to look and determining Roth conversions and mixing in your Social Security benefits, claiming strategies with it, let's take a look and see what are the tax ramifications of Roth conversions. I don't know, Rich, if you want to maybe chime in a few, uh, few words here, but when it comes down to claiming Social Security and converting uh, Roth, is there anything that we should be on the lookout for? Well, if you claim Social Security, that's going to be more more income, right? So you might want to look at converting before you have more income, you know, what that effect would be. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. So when it comes down to Social Security, when you start claiming it, it does get added to your provisional income, which becomes part of your adjusted growth income. And provisional income is basically what uh, the IRS looks at to determine how much of your Social Security is taxable. And it could be as much as 85 cents of every dollar. So you can end up paying 85 cent, uh, 85% of your Social Security could be taxable to you if you are not careful. Some of the strategies that we utilize is if Roth conversions make sense, and you usually want to, again, sit down with a planner, sit down with an accountant, and really every year break down your tax returns and take a look and see, you know, where are you giving today's tax brackets and how much do you want to fill, how aggressively you want to convert, then you can turn on the income stream and kind of hypothetically through some of the financial planning tools determine how much of your social security is going to be taxable to you. And then the decision becomes, gee, well, do I not collect my social security, but I do my Roth conversions now aggressively and then delay my social security up until the age of 70? Well, then the question becomes, well, why? I mean, there's a 13-year break-even point. A lot of people just want to get the Social Security as soon as possible because, oh, gee, I've been working for so long, I just want to get it now, which might or might not be in your best interest. But the strategy behind it would be, hey, listen, why don't we do conversions now? We're going to live off of the assets that we have, convert as much as we can, lock in the lower brackets in today's environment. So this way, when we turn our Social Security on, guess what? they're not taxable to you. All of a sudden, Social Security, if you have converted all of your qualified accounts or majority of it, becomes less and less and less taxable to you. So you could potentially draw your Social Security at the age of 70, which is the highest amount you will ever get, and not pay a penny in taxes on it or pay very little in taxes on it. And then you can supplement that income from your Roth IRAs or from your brokerage accounts. What do you think about that strategy, Rich? Yeah, no, I, I like it. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, the second most important benefit, in my opinion, of a Roth IRA, aside from never having to pay taxes again, which is the number one <laughs> benefit from that, is part of the distribution plan. And that's what Mike is is alluding to, you know, as you convert over, you know, the two or three or four or five years up until retirement, you're going to be able to give yourself more flexibility in the future because now your income is going to be lower because again, if you have money in your traditional IRA, you're going to have to pay taxes on the money you take out for what they call a minimum required distribution, or some people say required minimum distribution, which is now used to be at 70 and a half, which is now at 72. And it's typically, you know, around 4% or so of the assets based on your lifetime and it increases over time, right? So it's going to, you know, if you grow your traditional, it's going to keep growing. Well, your taxes are just going to, just going to increase. What Mike and I help people with is distribution plans and, you know, income from Social Security, from a pension, from taxable accounts, from traditional IRAs, from Roth IRAs, all have different benefits or pros and cons are all used differently. And a quick example of that is, well, if you're taking a pension and you're lucky enough to have one and you have Social Security and you're taking, you know, your minimum required distributions out of your traditional IRAs, both husband and wife, you're going to have a pretty decent income. And if something happens or you want to buy a house or you, you know, a vacation home for your grandkids or whatever you want to do, you're going to have to take that money from somewhere. And if the only bucket you have now is your traditional IRA and you take money out of that, well, that's going to be all taxed. So you're kind of putting handcuffs on yourself because now you're raising your tax bracket most likely. 
and all of those assets are going to be taxed at a at a higher rate. So again, not as efficient. If you did some pre you know retirement planning and converting some money to a Roth, you could just simply take the money out of out of a Roth, and it doesn't count towards income. There's no taxes. You could take as much as you want out and never have to pay a cent of taxes. So that's the big benefits in my mind. Yeah, that actually brings up an interesting point. You know, a lot of people um, that I meet with, a lot of clients and prospective clients, you know, their point is, gee, when I retire, my bracket is going to go down. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not the case. You know, when you are accustomed to a certain living lifestyle, I guess, you know, what I usually see is I usually see the tax bracket kind of staying very similar to what it was pre-retirement. Now, there are some individuals, they make an extreme amount of income while they're working, but then when they do retire, their income doesn't go down to 12%. It doesn't go down. To, it, it, it stays around mid-20s. That has been my experience. So when, when you actually get older and you do start taking your required minimum distributions, you really don't have a choice. You know, the IRS kind of forces you into taking a certain amount of money out. Well, by utilizing Roth conversions, that's a great option potentially to use to re, you know, sort of control how much you convert. And the key here is to have a plan, you know, make sure you, you know, you have, you're comfortable with converting, but also at the same time, kind of maintaining certain tax brackets. I know in Connecticut, for example, if you do retire prior to the age of 65 and you hop on the exchange health insurance, you know, you do have to stay under $60,000 worth of adjusted growth income. So there's not a lot of uh, Roth conversions you can do or a lot of income you can take from qualified accounts because then your premiums for your healthcare plan are going to go through the roof. So there are some limitations and things you need to be aware of. But, uh, but Roth IRA is a very viable strategy and, and hopefully something that uh, you can certainly take a look at. Now, I think uh, you know when, uh, last year, there were some changes that came out with the new Retirement Security Act. One of them was the fact that the required distributions got pushed up to the age of 72. But the second bigger one that maybe you are and maybe you're not aware of is the elimination of what's called a stretch provision. Rich, do you want to just kind of jump in really quickly here? Let's discuss what the stretch provision is or was for our listeners. Well, the stretch provision is, you know, for some of your beneficiaries, you know, so when you you pass and you kind of, your kids or grandkids inherit your, your IRA, they were able to take that IRA, those funds out of that IRA out over a longer period of time. And now, uh, I believe they have to take it out over uh, the 10-year time period, I believe it is. is. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. So what they did is, like Rich said, in the past, if you know, the husband passes away, the sp- or the sp- one spouse passes away, the other spouse inherits the account, it's just like nothing changes. They can continue on carrying on with that account like it's theirs. However, when the second person passes away and the accounts go to a non-spousal beneficiary, a child, a grandchild, an entity, anything other than a spouse, in the past, they were able to, what's called to stretch the accounts over the life expectancy. So they would start distributions based on their life expectancy and take out a little bit every year, but they can let the accounts sit and continue to compound. So in a traditional IRA sense, they would just take a little bit out every year and they really never have to pay taxes on it for a long period of time. Well, that option went away. So now, when the non-spousal beneficiaries, so anyone other than the spouse, inherits an IRA or 401k, they have 10 years to take the money out. They don't have to take any distributions in year one, year two. They can wait till year 10. But by the time year 10 rolls around, 
that account has to be at a zero dollar amount. That's the new law. So the stretch provision is gone. It's no longer there. So what that also means is that if you are inheriting a, a traditional IRA, over the course of the 10 years, anytime you take money out, the beneficiaries would have to pay taxes on it. And at the end of 10 years, if you're inheriting a million dollars, it's got to be out. You got to pay taxes on this whole amount of money, whether you like it or not. Now, I know some clients would say, hey, listen, they're happy to get it. You know, they're lucky to get anything that I live behind. I get it. But estate planning is, is a real thing. You know, when you save uh, all this assets and you work hard to put together this portfolio, you want to keep as much of it as you can for your family rather than for the federal government. And that's where Roth, can, uh, Roth accounts are very powerful because even when you, you know, inherited a Roth IRA account for a non-spousal beneficiary, they just let it go for as long as possible. And at the age of, uh, end of the 10-year time frame, they take it out. They never have to pay taxes on that either. So there's a lot of incentive to consider a Roth conversion, even from the beneficiary passing the assets on to your ears. Yeah, exactly. And especially, you know, if your children or grandkids, they could possibly be high income earners as well, and they might not want or need the income, and it's going to bump them into a higher tax bracket. So again, like Mike was saying, estate planning is very, very key, unless you want your beneficiary to be the government, and and, and most people don't uh, want that to be the case. So, I mean, you've earned the funds, you know, if there are some left over, you definitely, you definitely want to give them to the, the ones you love and, and care about as opposed to uh, the United States government. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Rich. And, you know, estate planning is going to be another uh, episode that we'll do um, separately. And I'm actually hoping to invite a, a local estate planning attorney here on podcast with us uh, to, because there are a lot of changes that's coming down the pike potentially as being proposed that could reduce the limits and, and put a lot more people in the view of the IRS when it comes down to estate planning tax, uh, uh, inherited tax, I'm sorry, uh, which could be as high as 40%. So I think uh, having the right estate planning plan in place is going to be even more important in the future, not that it wasn't in the past. Uh, and I think the last thing I kind of wanted to also mention is that there is another form of conversion called a backdoor conversion. It uh, uh, might not be necessarily something that you've heard before, but basically it's, it's something where you can go in uh, and let's say you, you, you're earning way too much money. You, you're not qualifying to do a Roth conversion. I'm sorry, a Roth contribution, but all of your assets are tied up in the 401k plan for an existing employer, right? So you're still working. You can't take the money out of the 401k and convert to, uh, say, a Roth IRA. But you definitely, if you could, want to put some money into a Roth IRA. So the kind of way to get around this at this point is called the backdoor conversion. So what you essentially do is you create an IRA, a regular pre-tax IRA account. And because you're contributing to a 401k, your contributions to a traditional IRA are allowed, but they're not deductible. So you cannot reduce your taxable income by that amount of contribution because you're contributing to a 401k. You can't deduct both. So essentially what you could do is you could go ahead and make a contribution to a traditional IRA which is considered to be an after-tax contribution. And then you can turn around and do a Roth conversion right on that. Because your contribution to a traditional IRA is non-deductible and considered to be after-tax, that is a tax-free Roth conversion. So you don't have to pay taxes, obviously, on it because it's after-tax. And also, Roth conversions are not 
subject to income earning limitations. So it's a way for you to potentially do that. Now, there are a lot of caveats to it. You you have to make sure you don't have any other IRA accounts that are pre-tax. Otherwise, it could be prorated. So don't run out and do it. Consult with a tax professional. But there are other ways um, for you to potentially enjoy the benefits of a Roth conversion. Anything to add to that, Rich? No, that's exactly right. So, I mean, it's just, again, as much money as you possibly can get into a Roth, in my opinion, is is definitely going to be a benefit for you. And uh, again, going back to my example earlier, 100K, 20% tax bracket, you have to pay 20K in taxes right now up front. You want to pay from it at an outside account. In a positive example where your assets are going to grow over time, if that 100K becomes 200K, well, if it is still in said traditional IRA, 401K, well, you still take out that 20%, you're going to have to pay 40K in taxes if you're still in the 20% tax bracket. So huge benefit right there uh, for you. I mean, if you go from 100 to 300, now same 20% tax bracket, is 60,000 in taxes. So that's the future. So that's the future benefit. And again, it's only taxes there. But as Mike and I had talked about throughout this podcast, there's many other benefits for you, like the flexibility, the estate planning, et cetera, you know, in keeping your tax bracket um, at bay and not being pushed to a higher tax bracket. It's extremely beneficial. And the earlier start, the more aggressive you can be in those assets in the Roth, you have some uh, more years to grow it. And then you just adjust it accordingly over the years in line with your retirement plan. And you're going to be in really good, really good shape. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So in in conclusion, what I I want to highlight is two things. So Roth IRA is not a silver bullet. It's it's not the only strategy. It's certainly part of the tool that we use with our clients. But it's a very important um, option, and it should not be ignored especially with the national debt being what it is and continue to grow and escalate every single day, literally every single second that number continues to go up. Taxes is a real big problem in my opinion. And utilizing Roth conversion is certainly a great way to try to mitigate that uh, and and allow your portfolio to benefit from tax-free growth and hopefully not paying any income taxes on it over the course of your life. Now, with that said, you definitely want to make sure you have a plan. Don't just run out and start doing Roth conversions. Make sure you take into consideration how is it going to impact your social security? What tax bracket is this going to put you in? Is it going to show, shoot you into a next tax bracket? Does it become disadvantageous if you go up to a higher bracket? How much would you have to pay in taxes if you are to do certain conversions? All of that has to go into the decision-making process on deciding or whether or not to do Roth conversions, or how helpful or beneficial the Roth conversions are. I know we found them to be extremely, extremely helpful, and especially given current conditions. And of course, anything that we discuss on this particular channel is not an advice. You should always consult with an accountant, with your tax professional, with your financial planner, advisor. Don't run out and just take our conversation here as a, as a pure advice to you. Just go out and get a whole bunch of money converted to a Roth account, and they end up paying a 35% tax bracket. So take your time, do the right thing, do your research, have a plan, and utilize the Roth conversion if it makes sense for you and your situation, as this is certainly a very, very important and helpful tool to use in any environment. 
In conclusion, is there anything else that uh, Rich you want to add to this before we wrap this up? No, I, I certainly agree with uh, what, what you said there. Obviously, if you convert the account and you know the account goes the other way or the account doesn't grow because you, you know, leave it all in bonds or you're not earning enough, could be at a disadvantage. But again, in you know 90, 90% of the cases that I see, 99% of the cases, it's, it's definitely beneficial within the context, again, of an overall plan. And I would say that's the biggest thing, Mike, is to have a plan. You know, you need to have a plan to, to, to go anywhere. So, yeah, you can't get I'll there do. if you don't know, you know, if you don't have a roadmap, you, you can't get there. Um, so it's uh, it's super important. But uh, great. Well, Rich, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was it's always good to talk to you. We, we hope you found this episode helpful. If there are any feedback or any questions you guys have for us, just please feel free to reach out. And if there are any suggestions of any future topics you want us to cover, just let us know as well. Thank you all uh, very much and uh, hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. Absolutely. Thanks, Mac. Had a lot of fun. Bye. All right, Rich. Have a good one.